We're in January, and January has two major things that go on in January. January is, first of all, a new beginning, isn't it? New Year's resolutions. Um, I was talking to somebody in a gym. Yeah, I do go to a gym occasionally. And saying, so how does it work with the gym? He says, in January, we get a a bucket load of sign-ups. And in February, they all disappear. But how many of you think it's good that we can have some new starts, some fresh starts? Yeah, it's good. Did you know that the church in Acts that they had this amazing baptism in the Holy Spirit. You remember, you read through an Acts, and God says, don't go out of Jerusalem until you've received power. And then the power came on the day of Pentecost. There were 120 of them. And they grew that on that day to 3,000 people. And then God added more and more, and they grew to over 5,000 people. And then two years later, due to persecution, apart from the 12, everybody legged it. They had to start again. And, you know, I never really read that properly in the book of Acts. But the church in Jerusalem, they couldn't keep harping back to what happened on the day of Pentecost with 3,000 because they had to start again. And it feels a bit like after COVID, we have to start again. And I believe within every generation, the church has to start again. We can't go back to how it was or how this, you know, it's one of those things. I'm always challenged about testimony. Years ago, I was short, I was taught how to share my testimony. And they said, oh, you've got to do this and you've got to do that, etc. But what challenged me with a testimony is that sometimes the only testimony we have is back there somewhere. It's kind of, yeah, you know, when the TV was black and white, then God did something in my life. And you kind of say, what's he done this week? Oh, I don't know. And I think a testimony needs to be something that is God working in our life. Yeah, we can talk about when we made a first-time commitment, but it needs to be more than that. I remember when I was part of an evangelistic team and we would work with churches and we were traveling in a minibus to the church and we were speaking that night and the guy leading would, as he was driving in the minibus, he'd then say, oh, Simon, share a testimony tonight. Go, what? Huh. But it challenged me that we always need to be ready to share about what God wants us to do. And I want to give a bit of a roundup today of our prayer and fasting. Something that's not in my notes, but it's become so apparent. I was talking with Richard. Do you remember Richard Chamberlain, who works in India? We we support him as a missionary. And I was talking to him. He was talking about the prayer and fasting. And we've seen God do quite a bit of stuff in prayer and fasting, in personal lives and relationships and other things. Uh, And Richard said, so what did you do? And he said, well, we fasted different things, but we met every night. And it was at that point that I really felt that the power of what we did was consecutive praying. That we got together on a regular basis, and Richard reminded me in Acts, it says, daily they met in their homes. And out of that, I want to encourage you, it, it's nice to pray every so often, But there is nothing more powerful than 
praying in a consistent manner day after day after day. And actually, when Jesus teaches us to pray, he tells us to be like the woman. He gives us this story of a judge. And this judge isn't a just judge. And he doesn't give this woman justice. So every day she's at his door. I want justice. Every single day, banging at the door, banging at the door. Until finally the judge says, you know what? This woman's going to completely exhaust me. I'm going to give her justice, not because I fear God, but because of her persistence. And you know what? For 21 days, we were persistent. Every single night, we were persistent. And I want to encourage you, if there is a lesson that we have seen work in power, that we have learned in these 21 days, is we need to be persistent. In your private prayer time, you need to be persistent. We need to be like that child who knows what he wants for Christmas. And every single day, that's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I want. Get me that. That's what I want. We need to be persistent. So I want to encourage you. Be persistent in your praying. Every day, bring those things to God. Every single day, bring it to God. Bring it to God. Bring it to God. And you will begin to see a change in your heart, in your mind, and also in what God is doing in the situation. One of the things that came out of it as well is power. We've been asking for power. That's something we need to be persistent in asking. We need power. Power uh, to do the work, power to see uh, miracles happening. And it reminds me again of Acts 1 verse 8 when Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then it says, and you will be my witnesses. And the things are linked. If you have no intention of being a witness for Jesus, then there is no need for you to have the Holy Spirit and power, is there? I mean, let's be honest, there isn't, is there? You only need it if you're going to go out and do that. And Jesus was very specific. He says, don't go until, but when they'd received it, he says, then Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, go. And so the challenge for us is that while we are praying and asking for power, we need to have in our heart that we are willing to go. I'm hoping that when we do this mission, that most of us will be part of at least some of it. And, and it may mean that we need to take a holiday, take a day off from work so that we can share the gospel. I guarantee you that will be a good investment. It's going from Wednesday all the way through to Sunday. And from Wednesday to Friday, we're going to be out on the streets here. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we're going to have healing meetings here in the church where we will be praying for people. Now, the Holy Spirit, he helps us. He equips us. He makes sure that we have everything that we need. And the good news is we don't need to be perfect for the Holy Spirit to fill us and use us. If you have a Bible reading plan, I like to read through the Bible once a year, and in my reading through, I'm amazed that God uses people who made some massive mistakes. I mean, we were reminded in the prayer of fasting um, about Moses. Moses murdered a guy and he ran. 
And then for 40 years, he's a shepherd in the backside of the desert. And then God says, I'm calling you and I want you to go back and I want to rescue the people. And he makes so many excuses. And in the end, he says, I can't do it. Well, aren't we in good company? How many of us have said, Lord, I just can't do this. It's too much. I can't do it. And God said, but I'm the one who empowers you. Moses said, I'm no good at speaking. We might say when we go out on the streets, we might say, Lord, I don't know what to say. And God said to Moses, who made your mouth? God will equip us and use us. He's the one who wants to make sure that we are doing what he wants us to do because we rely on him, not upon our own ability. Now, part of the challenge here is we need to saturate ourselves with God. We had this scripture in Ezekiel 47, verse 1 to 9 that came up, which was about the water coming out of the temple. And the water at first was ankle deep. And as you went further, it went knee deep. Then it went waist deep. And then it was so deep that the only way you could go further was to swim. And then it says it became a river. Now, sometimes... When it comes to God, we like to be in control. So we don't mind being ankle deep and knee deep. But once it gets to waist deep and beyond, we're not so keen because we think, well, where's it going to lead us? Anybody ever been swimming in the sea? And you go out and have you ever gone actually swimming so you can't touch the bottom? And it's a bit freaky. You know, there's tides and there's waves and there's whatever. And it's fine splashing along on the front. But the picture that we're given is that the real power comes when the Holy Spirit leads us to where we should go. And that only happens when we're in the river, which is the Holy Spirit. And he is leading us where we go rather than us trying to determine it. As nice as it is splashing around in the shallows, um, Life in the Spirit is a life that should be under the control of the Holy Spirit. And that doesn't mean he's a dictator. Let me say one thing about God. God is never a dictator in your life. The devil is, but God isn't. And God will only go as far as you want to go. But he is the encourager and he says, you can do it. You can do this. And he says, yeah, get in the river. You might not be able to swim, but I will keep you afloat and I will make sure that you get to where you need to get. It's all about trust and faith. You know, faith is a big word. Because faith essentially means that we are willing to completely trust God even if it costs us our lives. Think about that for a moment. Faith is a bit like abseiling. You know, with abseiling, people have the rope and then they get to the edge and they look down and they go, ah! and then the instructor says, now lean back on the rope. You think, what? Are you crazy? I watched some of these with Bear Grylls. You ever watched Bear Grylls? <coughs> and these guys are going down a 300 foot cliff edge. And he says, lean into the rope. If the rope goes, you've had it. That's faith. Because God will never let you fall. But it requires faith on our side. And I love the scripture. You know, Psalm 62 says, My soul finds rest in God alone. 
It's a bit like leaning out when you're abseiling onto the rope that you're resting on it. It's taking all of your weight. Remember Proverbs 3, you know, do not trust on your own understanding or do not lean on your own understanding. You trust in God. That whole idea of leaning, what are you leaning on? We need to lean on God and his instruction. And then we're told in John chapter 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. You see, God wants us to recognize that we can rest in him. I found in my experience the biggest times of growth, the biggest growth of faith in my life is when, I, when God's put me right on the edge and I've had to make a decision. And when I've trusted in God, he's come through and my faith has gone woof. But when I'm in the shallows just tinkling a lot, my faith doesn't go up. You've got to push yourself beyond because only that will show you just how much God is looking out for you. Giving our whole lives to God. Let's face it. When we walk through the door of death, there is nothing that is going to hold us up except God. I mean, at that point, you have to trust God because there's nothing else. And I think, isn't it crazy to say, oh, I'm going to trust God for all eternity, but I'm not going to trust him here on this earth. I'm saying all of this because God's got your back. I was reading, as Eddie mentioned, Esther. I don't know if you, uh, in my daily Bible reading, I've been going through reading about Esther. And what really amazed me, so this is, here's a king. His name is Xerxes. He is in charge of 120 provinces that cover the whole of India all the way to the Middle East. I mean, that's a pretty big kingdom. He is numero uno. If he says to somebody, you die, you die. If he says you live, you live. And his second in command is a bit of a nasty man called Haman. And Haman's intention is to kill not just one Jew, but all the Jews. But what amazes me in that story is that no matter what Haman tries to destroy them, you know, he gave something like 300 tons of silver as a payment to help kill all the Jews. And no matter what he did, as the second in command of the biggest kingdom in the world, God completely thwarted his plan. And I read the story and I'm thinking, you know what, God, you're pretty powerful. I mean, we're talking this morning about the authority of God. I mean, he's pretty powerful. I mean, if he can do that with a kingdom that eclipses what the UK is, I mean, Rishi or Rishi Sunak is not safe. Let's face it. God has more power than the European Union, than the American Congress, than the British Parliament, God has more authority and if he makes a decision, they cannot thwart that plan. It's one of those things that we should be proud to say we're with Jesus because, hey, we're with a big guy. <laughs> You're going out, yeah, I'm with him. He's got all authority. He's got all power. He can do what he pleases. Yeah, I belong to him. You mess with me, you mess with him. You know, God loves us 
God equips us. He gives us everything that we need. But he does say not by might and not by power, but by his spirit. And there is this whole element of faith. And faith is a big challenge because faith is one of those things that you can't fudge. You either trust God or not. Going back to abseiling, I mean, you're either abseiling or you're not. I mean, you can't kind of be in between, can you? You can't kind of just, you've got to lean into the rope. should be that way. <coughs> Although the military do it that way, don't they? Running down the side. Of the, you understand? Faith doesn't work in a half-hearted way. You're either trusting or you're not. I want to show a quick video. Jocelyn's, uh, Jocelyn, Zoe's going to put it on for us. It's only a few minutes. This is... Um, Jean Darnell, she gave that prophecy that I mentioned, but this is another prophecy she gave in 2009. I just want you to listen to it for a moment because it's to do with faith. Um, one more word that the Lord has given me recently is to prepare the people for persecution. And he has shown me that in these last days, there's going to be very hard times, great tumult and upheaval, and tremendous change that will be cataclysmic. Many, many systems that we count on today will collapse. But I want you to know that the God who is watching over you is eternal, and the word that you proclaim will never pass away. And so I want you to be sure to be strong and steadfast, unmovable, ever abounding in the work of the Lord, and be prepared for persecution. Be prepared to stay strong for the Lord, to live and to die for him because of your love for him. God bless you, everyone. You know, the only thing I want to pick up there is that end part about what's coming. She said persecution's coming, but notice she said the systems we trust in are all going to crumble. Now, she died at 96 in 2019. She gave that prophecy in 2009. And a year after her death, we are beginning to see the crumbling of our NHS, of our financial systems, of our pensions. Uh, all the things that the West trusts in, they are systems are going to be crumbling. Who would have thought that in 2023, we could hit a time when the power just switches off in our home. The things that undergird that we rely on, they're going. And, and people think, oh, that's so bad. It's not a bad thing. Because God wants a test. What are we trusting in here? Are we trusting in our pension? Are we trusting in the National Health Service? Are we trusting in what this world can provide? Or do we say, actually, no, we're trusting in God. Now, I'm not saying those things are bad, but they can rob us of the faith that God wants us to have. Because it may well be that even though you've paid into a pension thing your entire life, you may not get one. I remember in the last financial crash we had, there are people who had paid into their pension for 45 years who got nothing. And we've got all the strikes on the go now because every time everything is changing, less money, less pension, working longer, and so on and so on. We've got to trust God. And, and for me, there's a bit of an excitement. There are things happening where we've got to choose who we're going to trust. 
I mean, I can say it because I'm not sure what I'll get when I go to retirement. I've not paid into a pension enough. Don't own a house. But God is faithful. Let me tell you, God is faithful. Scripture says that we've never seen anyone who loves God begging for bread. Praise God for his goodness. And so we're going to hit these times that are going to be a challenge. And let me say something about revival. As much as I want to see revival, historically revival has always run hand in hand with persecution. When they saw this amazing revival in the church in Jerusalem, Saul, who became Paul, was actually destroying the church, putting people in prison and having them put to death. So we've got to be really careful that we don't think it's just a time of, of, of wonder and, and everything is good. We need to recognize that there is opposition and we need to do warfare. Now, I just want to spend just a moment on warfare. Every single day is a battle. Every day. Did you know that the devil does not respect the Sabbath? He doesn't respect Sunday. He doesn't care if you're on holiday. If he can trip you up and attack you, he will do so 24-7. What does that mean? That means we need to be a prepared people. One of the scriptures that came up in the prayer and fasting was all about Ephesians, about the armor of God. And one of the things about armor, it's really useless when it's back at home in the cupboard. And it's also useless if we don't know how to use it. Things are only as good as we can use them. And, and even if you look at the Israelites, they had to practice doing battle. Even though God gave them victory, they still trained the men, gave them shields, gave them armor, showed them how to use a sword and the spear and so on. What am I saying? I'm saying read through Ephesians, especially chapter 6. And ask yourself what weapons God has given and how well you can use them. Do you know how to use Scripture? You know, Jesus, when he was led in the desert by the Spirit and then the devil came to tempt him, Jesus used the weapons that God had given him, which was the Word of God, and three times he used it against the devil. And it says, and the devil left him. He didn't argue with him. He just quoted to him God's Word, the Old Testament. He quoted it to him. We need to know it. We need to learn it. We need to be reading in the Scriptures so that we know we're saying. 2 Corinthians 10, 4-7 says, Our weapons are not the world's weapons. We do not fight as the world fights. I love the fact that we can topple kingdoms on the other side of the world with a small prayer meeting of 20 people. Because that's power. That is power. One of the greatest weapons we have is prayer. Prayer, my argument, is where everything happens. You know, I've read it over 30 years of ministries. The men and women of our history who were, who were those who changed the face of the earth because they followed Jesus, they will tell you one thing. The most powerful thing that you are is prayer. Come in with it with Spurgeon or one of those guys. He said, you are what you are on your knees before God and nothing else. Nothing else. 
James 5 says, Elijah was a man like us. And yet when he prayed, it didn't rain for three years. Think about that. He's a guy like us. What made the difference? He knew how to pray. Prayer protects. Prayer breaks strongholds. Prayer moves the hand of God. Prayer brings confidence and boldness. We need more prayer. We've asked out of uh, the prayer and fasting for folks to form into triplets and pray, and I hope you're doing that. Find two other people in the church and pray with them for 15 minutes at least once a week. You can do it through WhatsApp video call or on Zoom or on Skype. You can do it on the telephone, however you want to do it. But that is one of the most important things that we can be doing to pray. Last thing. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, which is about go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is all on the premise of Jesus saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Why am I saying that? I want you to know that all authority in heaven and on earth is with Jesus Christ. That's where it resides. It's not with our parliament. It's not with the European Union. It's not with NATO. It's not with Putin or the Ukraine. The center point of all authority and power is Jesus Christ. Now, we have it on Jesus' authority that we can go and make disciples. That means that God has given us the power to uh, rob the devil of his bounty and what he wants to do, to break the strongholds, um, to pray over sick people and see them healed. God has given us authority to do those things, but we need to understand that we are under authority. We need to understand that he's called us, we're part of that. A really simple example of that would be to talk to you about being a British citizen. If you're a British citizen, you understand what that affords you across the world. There are things that you can do that other people can't do because they're not part of a nation that has the kind of authority that we have. In the, the time of the Apostle Paul, the most powerful empire was the Roman Empire and a Roman citizen could walk across the entire empire without fear of death or harm because anybody who harmed a Roman citizen would be put to death by Rome. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that because we need to understand that the day we choose, or we chose to give our allegiance to Jesus and to say, you're my Lord, we come under his authority and his power and he is the one who determines the course of our life, nothing else. And so I want to encourage you this morning. God has a plan for your life. God has given you gifts. The most powerful thing is that he's given you his Holy Spirit and you can do all things no matter what. No matter what, you can do all things. You have more authority than the MPs in Parliament. I mean, they can sit there in Parliament and debate all day, 
but you get on your knees and pray and you are moving the greatest authority above the heavens who says, I've heard you, you're being persistent, I'm going to do it. Let me finish with that one example of Peter. James, the apostle, had been put to death by the sword. And then what happens is they arrest Peter and they put him in prison. What does the church do? Well, they're praying. In the middle of the night, an angel comes, kicks Peter in the side, says, hey, get up. As he gets up, the chains fall off his wrists and off his legs, where he was shackled. The prison door opens. He goes out. The, 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 the closed gate to Jerusalem opens and he goes in. And then the angel leaves him and he realizes that God has set him free. God has the authority to undo everything that the government will do. And I'm saying to you that, yep, there might be hard times, there might be challenges, but if we keep our relationship right with Jesus, if we are obedient to what he does, he will lead us. I have, in 30 years of ministry, been, uh, I've preached in Pakistan, um, in a village in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by Mujahideen with rifles pointing at me. I've been all across India where people have also wanted to kill me. Yeah. God has watched over my life. Now, I'm not saying that as a guarantee that we're all going to be all okay physically. Some of us will be martyred. But nothing happens without God's authority working in and through us. And when we understand that, that the highest authority in heaven and on earth is sending us out, it gives us a boldness and confidence that whoever we talk to, we have the authority in Christ to speak to them. So I want to encourage you this morning. We are called, we're like Moses and Peter. We're not perfect. We make mistakes. We deny Jesus. But you know what? God still says, I've called you. God still says, you're mine. And Jesus promised that he would be with us until the end of time. That means the end of this world, he will be with us. And so I want to encourage you. I know some of you in a very difficult work situations or family situations, you have authority. You pray and you pray persisting. Every day you hammer at the door and I guarantee you will see a shift in what's occurring in those things. Because it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that we are a called people. I want to thank you that every day is an opportunity for us to demonstrate the amazing goodness of God. And I want to pray for your people this morning. I want to pray for those who are discouraged, those who don't think they're worth anything, those who don't think they have anything to offer, that actually you supply everything and you've called us and you love us. And so, Father, I pray today, I want to pray that you impart some life today. I want to pray in your heart and in your mind you would know that Jesus loves you, that he's called you, that he's equipped you, and that you can do all things through Jesus Christ because he will give you the strength that you need. 
And so, Jesus, we thank you, we bless you, we praise you, and we ask that you would go out with us this week in all that we do, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.